You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So time, this thing of keeping time, it's, it's about anticipation and expectation. How we tell time defines who we are as a people. For example, if you expect fireworks on the 4th of July, you are an American. Right, like keeping time in this way forms a calendar that creates culture as it rehearses the story of a people or a society. It's this primitive human impulse, one that dates back as far as the first human civilization that continues today. The Roman calendar told the Roman story. The Jewish calendar tells the Jewish story. The American calendar tells the American story. The Christian calendar tells the Christian story. For almost 2,000 years, the church has marked time in light of the gospel story of King Jesus. Advent and the season of Advent anticipates the coming of Messiah. Advent marks the beginning of the new year of the church. So this is our new year, church, in accordance to the Christian calendar. Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus. Lent remembers the journey to the cross. Easter is the celebration of resurrection. Pentecost Sunday celebrates the birth of the church. And ordinary time leads us through the year all the way back to Advent. If we allow the calendar of the church that has existed for almost 2,000 years, if we allow the calendar of the church to have authority over our calendars. We will organize our lives around the story of God. That's the the important piece of the calendar, is it forms us in the rituals and the practices and the seasons and and the memorials of the Christian story as seen and witnessed and experienced in the calendar as a community of people, just like the Jewish calendar formed the Jewish people in light of the story of liberation and exodus. So too does the story of the Christian calendar form us in light of our liberation and exodus of the reign of sin and death. So Advent, the word, means coming or arrival. And when we remember the story of Advent, we have to remember it in context. So stay with me. See, we remember that the story of Advent teaches us that Advent begins in the dark. It's the Christ child named Jesus in a manger coming in the quiet whimpers of a newborn child in the still of a starlit night where God's voice had not been heard clearly for 400 years. It's Joseph, Mary, and the Christ child traveling in the cover of darkness as they seek asylum in Egypt. After Joseph receives word from the angel too in the words of Matthew's gospel, get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. It's about remembering that our Christ was born a refugee child as a part of a refugee family seeking refuge from a crazy and murderous king. See, Advent begins in the dark because before Advent, the arrival of God to the world and the Christ child, the world was covered in the darkness. 
It's why the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Isaiah 9, 1 through 2. See, beloved, the prophet speaks of a world that sounds similar to our own. A world still covered in the darkness of violence, fear, and anxiety. All the people of Judah... Isaiah chapter 8 verse 22 says, All they see is distress and darkness, the gloom of affliction. That's what the text says. Uncertain of where to turn, they look for help, but in all the wrong places, including the false gods, the dead, and their political leaders. Read Isaiah 8, 19 to 20. So overwhelmed by the darkness that covers them, people look to anyone or anything for light and hope. So the prophet Isaiah comes and imaginally proposes imaginatively or proposes a time when this great light would dawn on the way of the sea, which, is, which ran through Galilee. And with this great light, a nation would grow and celebrate as if a harvest has come. With this great light, he tells us, the rod of oppression would be broken and lifted. And all one day, all military gear would be burned as fuel for fires. That's what the prophet says. And with this great light, the prophet says, the land would be filled with hope and peace and joy while the end of oppression and war would be near. The great light would come with the birth of a child who would be the light of the world. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, the prophet says. See, there in the midst of the darkness is this Advent announcement. This birth announcement of the Christ child announcing that the fortunes of Israel and Judah as well as the whole earth would turn on the birth of this child. This birth announces hope and breaks the claims of the darkness that blinds us to the consequences of paralyzing fear, gut-wrenching anxiety, and unending wars. However, the claims of the birth announcement will not rest on man-made governments but upon the government that the Christ child will bring to humanity. It will happen because Christ is the fulfillment of the promise of God. See, Advent begins in the dark because the world was lost in darkness. And even though the one Isaiah said would be a great light has dawned, he makes a claim about a kind of light that has broken into the world but has not yet fully lit the world. It's only dawned. That's the promise. The light has dawned. Darkness is still in the land. The darkness of stories of gun violence in city streets, political division that separates loved ones and friends. The darkness of stories of various forms of injustice, of ongoing people in the world and global politicization and violence trying to seek asylum under the cover of darkness. It's the darkness of addiction or a culture of sexualization, patriarchy, of unexplainable suffering or other tragic situations. 
It's the darkness of stories like these that lead people to question God's goodness. It's the darkness of stories like these that lead people to question the church's witness. It's the darkness of stories like these that leads people to wonder if the light really has dawned. The advent comes to us and reminds us that the light of Christ has come and still burns in the thickness of the darkness. Even if but a flicker, the light has still come and reveals to us that because God has come and is coming again, there is a hope that is present and remains. And so every week we gather during the Advent season, we will light the candle, the candle that corresponds to the week. If Advent is new to you, you see three purple candles, purple representing the color of royalty. The candle of hope, which we will light today, reminds us that there is always hope, that our hope is a living hope. It's not a dying hope and a dead hope. It's not a hope that's going to die before we die or a hope that's going to die after we die. It's a hope that's going to live as long as we live and even long after we die. And that's hope. And then we'll light the candle of peace next week, which reminds us that peace is not the absence of chaos, but it's wholeness in the midst of chaos. It's human flourishing. It is the Hebrew notion of shalom. The prince of shalom has come into the world. Then we will light the candle of joy, the pink candle, that reminds us that in a Christian story, joy is not about happiness, it's about satisfaction. It's about a deep, settled commitment and a deep, settled contentment that things are going to be all right because hope and peace has come. And then the fourth week, we light the candle, the purple candle, the finding purple candle. The final purple candle that is one of love that reminds us that all of this has come because love has come to us. God loves, and when God loves, he loves without caution or restraint, without boundaries or limits. He loves us beyond our sense of worthiness or unworthiness, beyond our inadequacies and failures, that when God says he loves, he loves us. And that won't change. And then finally in Christmas Eve, we light the Christ candle, which is the bright candle in the scriptures, it's never a white candle. It's never, it's never talking about when it says as wool as white as snow, it literally translates as bright as snow. It's the bright candle. It's the candle that sticks out above all the candles because all of these candles exist because Christ first does. And we'll light that candle Christmas Eve. And so today, we settle into the week of Advent and we remember hope. We remember that hope is about expectant anticipation. We remember that hope is not so much a belief as it also is a practice. We have to practice hope. We have to allow hope to be the lens to which we interpret the world. We have to allow hope, the belief that one day all the wrong things will be made right. We have to allow that hope to frame how we see the world to reinterpret the events of society in light of the event of hope. And so we light the candle of hope because Christ brings hope. And again, it's a living hope. It's a hope that will not be coerced. 
It's a hope that will not be changed. It's a hope that will not be canceled. It's a hope that will not be renegotiated. It is a hope that will not be recalled. It is a hope that will forever be until Christ comes again when our hope becomes our reality in our sight. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.